Hey guys, welcome to a Light in the Darkness podcast. I'm Carly Robison. I'm a wife, a mother, and a person who's been suffering with severe health challenges for over 10 years. Through that time, I've had successes and failures while trying to maintain a positive attitude. Now I want to share what I've learned with you, hoping to make your hard times a little easier. This podcast is to help those of us facing times of darkness and trial find ways to let the light in. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode two of my A Light in the Darkness podcast. I'm so excited to introduce you to my first guest. Her name is Jody Pettit. Welcome, Jody. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. So I'll give a little bit of a background on Jody. She is a wife, a mother of five, a medical laboratory scientist, and an athlete. She's a supervisor at Jordan Valley Medical Center Laboratory, and she also works for her husband's company, Desert West Construction. Jody has ran eight marathons, countless halves, a full Ironman, and a handful of half Ironman, and an ex-Terra off-road triathlon that qualified and allowed her to race in their world championship in Maui in 2018. Jody hasn't missed a day of actively moving since December 10th, 2013. That's incredible. <laughs> She's been featured in the Deseret News, Health Monitor Magazine, Xterra Planet, and Triathlete.com. In addition to all those amazing accolades, Jody's somebody who I've looked up to and gotten strength from as I faced my own trials. We went to high school together and we've since reconnected on social media. And that's why I'm so grateful for you, Jody, for your willingness to be here and to share your story with us. I know that so many people are going to be strengthened and inspired by you. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So <laughs> why don't we start a little bit um, before the trial, the biggest trial in your life um, began. So can you tell me a little bit about maybe meeting and dating your husband? Coincidentally, I've known him longer than I've known you. <laughs> we go yeah. all the way back to elementary school. <laughs> we, I met Josh on a construction site. It was, it's kind of funny. Two of my friends were, and one was Marianne Risque. We're still really good friends and Cammie Staples were walking um, home from the middle school with Cammie's little sister and these guys whistled at him on a construction site and their personalities are bubbly and fun. And they went back and talked to these guys and they invited them to come back for lunch on their lunch break. And none of them had a car. So they, they roped me into taking them back to talk to these guys. And that's where we met. And then we didn't think, didn't talk to him again over the summer and then start seeing him at school. And then start talking on the phone. We spent six months talking. Kids don't do that anymore. That's one thing with pandemic my daughter's doing. She's got a guy she's been dating in California and they're talking on the phone. I said, this is awesome. Wonderful. You get to communicate, but that's how we met. That's great. That's high great. school sweethearts. So high school you dated. When did you really kind of start dating then? Sophomore year? No, junior year. My junior. 17th birthday was our first date. Oh, that's fun. Tell me a little bit about that. It was funny because we'd been talking on the phone for six months and I didn't think we were going to date. And I, my mom had told me I could skip school to go skiing. My birthday's in January. So I was going to go skiing for my birthday. And the friend that I had gone with couldn't go that day. And I was walking down the hall and he 
there was Josh and I was just like, what are you doing Friday? And he asked me on a date and I'm like, well, I want to go skiing. Can you skip school? <laughs> he's like, no. And it's funny because he skipped school, but for whatever reason, he couldn't that day. But we went night skiing. Oh, fun. And That's a it great off, and then we went. Yeah. And then we would go country down, Western dancing and we had a really fun time dating. That's a lot of fun. They'll do. <laughs> That's good. That is important for sure. So when did you guys get married then? At, we graduated. I went to Snow College for a year and got my associate's degree. And he went, he got his contractor's license and started working. We got married the year, year later. So in 96, I think that's about 23 years. <laughs> you were pretty young, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. 19. 19. Babies. That's awesome. <laughs> my, my oldest daughter got married then too. <laughs> yeah. You don't get a planet. You fall in love and you live your life. Yeah. So was that about the same time that you um, had this big trial come into your life? How long had you been married? Yeah, it was, we had been, I'd been having pain. And like, I had problems with my feet in college. I couldn't walk. I, I know I came home at Christmas and was in a lot of pain and what, couldn't put my shoes on and had swelling and inflammation, just couldn't figure out what it was. And we got married and we moved into a new house and I was washing the walls in my hands. I just, I couldn't move them and they're swollen. And I thought, well, it's tendonitis. I've inflamed them from working. I was typing a lot at work. And I was misdiagnosed with neuro, and I did have neuromas, but I had neuromas in my feet and tendonitis, carpal tunnel in my hands, and doctors wanting to operate on all four limbs. Wow. And I had a coworker, and it wasn't just that. My knee would be really big and swollen one day. The next day, I couldn't lift my arm because my shoulder didn't work. It would affect my jaw. Oh, so it was everywhere. It was everywhere. And, I, and my, this lady I worked with said, you might have those other things going on, but you have rheumatoid arthritis. She says, my son has this disease. These are the lab tests you need. Go see a doctor. Oh, wow. And I think she really saved me time in getting diagnosed because I don't think autoimmune diseases were on the radar as much 25 years ago as they are today. Is it something that is usually diagnosed at a young age also? Or when I hear arthritis, I think of older no, most women, yeah, it's, uh -huh. it's more around menopause that older women and women get it more than men. And when you say rheumatoid arthritis, it's, it's different, deceptive because you think mm -hmm. arthritis, you have an ache, but it's an autoimmune disease. It's systemic, primarily attacks cartilage in the joints, but it can attack your heart, your lungs. It can really go after wow. anything it wants in your body. So and yeah, it it's, that's definitely a big thing. And it's something that you're still dealing with today. So it's not something that has come into your life and then you, you beat the trial and, and you got to go through it, but it's something that's going to come here and, and stay in your life. And that's something different. Yeah. It's chronic and degenerative and you get to keep it forever. Yeah. That's your best hope is to manage it. Well, for sure. And that's what I'd like to talk about today. So after you got your diagnosis, um, what kinds of things did they tell you when you were at the doctor? Did they say? I went, my 
primary care did the blood work and then they sent me to the rheumatologist and my mom went with me. It was been, I was still 19. I was a baby. Mm-hmm. Been married six months and went in and the doctor's going through it all. And he says, he wrote me the prescription for methotrexate and with the list of side effects to go home and read and told, basically told me my best hope was to slow it down, but that I had an aggressive form and I was already severely ill that to plan on being in a wheelchair within the next 10 years. Oh, wow. And I asked him about the drug because I wanted to have children. I asked about the side effects with being able to get pregnant. He says, you don't want to get pregnant. He says, you should never get pregnant. It would be selfish. If you could even carry a baby, you're not going to be able to take care of that child. Wow. But it would be selfish to have children. And so I was brokenhearted. I bet. To say that. And Josh wasn't there with you, right? No, he was working and I went to my grandparents and cried to my grandpa, sobbed in his arms and I went home and asked for a divorce. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) like I said, our first date was skiing. We were very active, Uh but I thought I can't be a mom. I can't have the life I wanted to have that... My husband didn't sign up for that. We'd only been married for a short time that yeah. I felt broken that he could go find someone else. Yeah. And what did he say? No, Josh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had none of that. He said, no. if, I take, if we don't have kids, I'll take care of you. I chose you. We're in this together. He was, he's always been my biggest and best supporter. That's important. So, That's important. So where did you go from there? You, you, okay. This doctor says, nope, you can't have children. You're going to be, not only did he tell you as, I don't know if it's man, sorry. Doctor said not to have children, but then also called you selfish. If you even tried that, I can't even imagine how that must feel. And I'm guessing he, from what he'd seen day in, day out, he was trying to give me the best advice he could. Mm -hmm. It just, and honestly, it probably was good for me because of my stubbornness. I got angry and basically ignored it. I threw the prescription away. I never filled it. And I, we hadn't planned on having children right away, but I went off birth control because mm-hmm. I, well, and that was, I read my patriarchal blessing and in it, it tells me that I would be a mother, that it would be my greatest calling, and that I would have the physical strength that I needed to do the things that w- were important in my life. So it's more than that, but reading it and having the reassurance, if I could hold on to that faith, then I knew it would be okay. That's beautiful. But I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if I was still get if I was going to end up in a wheelchair in 10 years. I wanted to get my children here as quickly as I could. My first 3 or 3 years and 2 months between all 3. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Irish triplets. And I was very sick. Oh. When I had, I would I had like a 2 hour window of being active and after that, you know, just exhausted. Mm. And I was stubborn cuz the doctor told me I couldn't do it. I don't think I let Josh help as much as I should have. Um, because I had to prove that I could do it. I, I but, think your stubbornness is one of the things that I admire about you because I think that that stubbornness 
equates with strength in my mind. And when you have a diagnosis that's going to affect your entire life, a lot of times you have to make that choice. You have to decide, okay, am I going to sit here and, and take this medicine and accept the life that I've been given, which is also very important. Or are you going to say, okay, I'm going to focus on the things that I can do. And I'm going to do the things that I want to do while I still can. And I think that you're a perfect example of that. Well, thank you. So for those listeners of ours that aren't um, members, so Jody is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint, Saints. And um, you spoke about your patriarchal blessing. Now, this is something that um, we are given that is sacred to us. It's something that a lot of times we don't talk about often. And I really appreciate you sharing this special moment with me um, in your patriarchal blessing because these are given from elders in our church that as kind of a guide for our life. And I love that yours gave you such specific instruction that that you would be provided with strength in order to be a mother. And I think you've done just that. So I admire you. Thank you. So as time goes on, um, I do want to touch on something a little bit. I don't know if it was before you deciding that you were going to have kids and having your kids or after, but um, you were having a lot of pain in your feet. So was this after? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is later. Okay. Yeah. So the first years I focused on my kids, ate a lot of ibuprofen (laughs) and I tried every alternative therapy, treatment, vitamin, supplement, oil, you name it. I probably tried it to try to help my health. Yes. And some do help and some you just spend your money on, Mm -hmm. but it was, we're probably looking 10 years ago. So 10 years into the disease. Okay. I had every type of itis inflammation specifically named in my feet, like plantar fasciitis, capsulitis, any itis. And then I had, I had neuromas. The disease has been the worst in my hands and feet and my shoulders. There's not much. It took me years to learn to, to lift weights enough that I could raise my arm to comb my hair after the, most of the initial, the damage I deal with now is from the first few years of the disease when it just was eating through me. Oh, And I still flare, but the inflammation level, a lot of the cartilage is gone, I guess. Now it's more circulating in my blood. <laughs> but, um, I was, but my feet were unbearable. I would wear slippers and to go to church, like in our church, you have a chapel and then you go down the hall to a different room for the second lesson and it'd hold on to the wall and it was everything I like I need a walker I could hardly get there and it was so painful I had a handicap pass so I could go grocery shopping and people are mean because I don't look like I'm sick yes <laughs> and you don't see it and I can hide it really well mm-hmm. but the pain is there yeah. and so I I literally begged three different doctors to cut my feet off. I just was in so much pain and that doesn't sound rational now, but to me it was the most logical way to end the pain. Just cut them off. I couldn't stand to have 
like the sheet touched my feet, their socks. It was, it was just Terrible. horrible pain. Yeah. And I had a, my husband start doing business with this man that his, he's one of his really good friends now. And he came to our house and he was telling me about running marathons. And I was never an athlete in college. I, you had to do the one mile in like 15 or 13 or 15 minutes to pass the health class for college. And I showed up in cowboy boots and <laughs> I didn't even own running shoes. So it was, I was never an athlete, but he just made this sound so cool to run a marathon. And I'm like, wow, that would be so awesome. He's like, go do it. I said, are you kidding? He said, I, I'm in slippers. I can hardly walk. I can't run. And he's like, no, go to the run store. And he was so naive about where I was. Yeah. but he had so much faith in it that I believed him. And so I did, I went and got in, in my mind, I thought if I can do this, I can have this bucket list dream goal, make, you know, run a marathon, check it off that I did this. And in the process, I can speed up the damage because the doctors are telling me I'm going to need these surgeries on my feet, but that I'm because of my age, it would be better to hold off that technology will get better. Mm. I'm going to have to live with this for the rest of my life. But they just wanted me to wait. Yeah. Yeah. You're in this unbearable pain that <laughs> every and day. Like, just wait. Yeah. And, um, so I started training and it was, it hurt, but it was the most pain is to stop you. It tells you to stop doing something. This isn't right. It's your, you know, your body's way of protecting you. And, when you're not afraid of it and you have a different goal, mm -hmm. I don't, you just see it differently. And I never expected to see it that way. So your goal was to speed up the process and then have ultimately have your feet amputated because if you're running on them, it was going to speed up the process and you could. Yeah, that exactly. And the first I was training and I had a friend that wanted to do a marathon relay and, and I had, you know, I was supposed to run a five mile segment and, I said to Josh, I said, do you think I can run five miles? Because I never ran. Five. He's like, you just signed up to run a marathon. <laughs> you better be able to run five miles. So, and when I finally, but I would run and I'd do my training and then it would be excruciating and I would just push myself through it. And by like mile seven, my feet would go numb. And so they just, they wouldn't hurt so much and I would be able to keep going. And, and I slowly built strength and I wasn't, I stress fractured my femur in that first training for that first marathon because I had no foundation wow. and it's like my legs constantly hurt, but it was, I guess, a good pain because I was doing it to myself instead of it was out of control with the disease and I had the endorphin response and I finished the marathon. I, I think I stress fractured my femur like two weeks before. And about mile, I think it was 14, as the sharp stabbing pain started. And I just kept getting slower and slower. And I was determined, I didn't know if I would ever run again, that I was going to finish it. And it was, I should have finished around 4.30 based on the time of my first half. And it turned into a six hour and 12 minute. Because I was walking and I was just, I was fantasizing about if, wishing I had, could have a morphine shot. <laughs> and I don't do pain meds. The only time I've ever had morphine is when I had appendicitis. And, <laughs> oh, 
and people stopping on the side of the road to ask if I was okay or if they could give me a ride. And, but I, I'm like, no, this, I set this goal. I'm going to finish it. And once I was done, I couldn't put weight on that leg and I couldn't squeeze my butt cheek. The nerves stopped firing. I just, I pushed so far past everything shut down. Wow. And people would ask me before they're like, you must really love to run. I'm like, no, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> but they're like, then why are you doing it? Cause I set a goal and I really thought I was going to lose my feet. It's not rational, but once I finished and I was, took me four months before I could really start moving again with that injury and just sitting. And I realized how much better I'd been doing with running the inflammation. My feet were better. I had less pain. My joint health was better. My mental health was better. But I realized I, this needs to be a part of my life. So running was actually, even though you, you were thinking that it was going to make things worse, it was actually in a lot of ways making things better for you. Absolutely. So you broke <laughs> bones and <Yeah. laughs> probably pushed yourself a little too hard the first time. Ultimately. Yeah, I should have been a little smarter. I, did, I had no respect for it. I didn't understand it. But that's amazing. Yeah, no, my knees never swell like they used to. And having the muscle strength and to support the joints is always so. A good it took thing. you four months that you could before you could even really kind of get back moving again. Yeah, I was on crutches for two months. So you decided, okay, I did notice that a difference between when I was running, I was feeling better, and mm -hmm. so you decided, okay, I'm going to get back out there. <laughs> yeah, and then I started again, and I've done that. I fractured my femoral head. So three times with MRI. I think the fourth time I did it, I broke my ribs a couple days later. So I didn't worry about getting it checked. I just took it easy. Mm -hmm. But I think part of that breaking too is, could be part of the disease process mm -hmm. in my hips. Yeah. That's amazing. So in, in your bio, you said that you haven't missed a day of actively yeah. moving since December 10th. 2013. So can you tell that me a started, bit Josh was that? doing a running streak and he's like, and he felt really good. And he's like, I wonder what would happen if you ran every day. I wonder how you would feel. So I started it as an experiment and I, that was the second stress fracture. So I did it 210 days of straight running and fractured my other femur. So I had already ran that day by the end of the next day. I'm like, well, I still, I don't want to lose this streak. I like the idea that I'm moving every day. If I can't run, how about I do something else? So I did like Pilates the next day because I couldn't, it had to be non-weight bearing or go swimming or lift weights, but do some type of exercise, actively moving intently every day. And even when I, if That's I feel amazing. horrible, if I'll go do it, I'll feel better. And I'm better off to do it earlier because then you get the benefit the rest of the day instead of waiting till the end of the day to get it done. What kinds of benefits are you talking about? I move better. It helps you get with rheumatoid arthritis, you have morning stiffness and I always feel worse in the morning. My brain is fuzzy. So it helps with clarity. It's like if I go for a run, I can feel nauseous and just yucky and achy and I can hardly walk and I can go run and then I walk better once I'm done. So it helps me with my movement and, body motion and, and then mental health. It helps. That's my time to think and work through other problems and 
things that you're dealing with in life that just helps focus. And, and it's running's my favorite. Biking, actually, I have four toes that are di- permanently disjointed. And when I bike, it pushes on those bones. And I still bike, but that is more painful. So I like to run more. And swimming, I've got disc problems from the RA and C2 and C3, so I swim with the snorkel. But in triathlon, I started that because of, like, the stress fractures. And I really wanted to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I don't know why. It was, I think, because it was such an unrealistic goal for me. It kept me running and it kept me pushing to do more. And... I knew I couldn't get there with just running. So I, I signed up to do a half Ironman because I knew I needed to cross train and do different types of exercise. But in order to make me do it, it had to be big enough that I'd spend the time to do it. <laughs> so that's how I got into that yeah. side of things. So running is where you feel the best yeah. though. The biking and the swimming are just kind of added goals when you yes. were just running and <laughs> kind of did the marathons and all of those things and you kind of needed something else to push yourself. So I think that's a common thing for you in your life that just having those constant goals. Um, would you say that that's something that's helping you kind of face this trial of always having something to push yourself for? Or Absolutely. Without it. To? And it's like, it'd be really easy to slip and if you slip and lose, for me, especially fitness, then I lose my mobility and highly likely would end up in a wheelchair because there's a lot of damage, but, and you know, it's easier to maintain what you, it's so hard to build. It's so fast to lose anything that you gain. So it's keeping a goal. I think that's pretty remarkable to think about that. The doctor told you within 10 years, you were going to be in a wheelchair and now it has been yeah has it been 20 years close to 23 <laughs> 23 24 years oh my gosh so that's so just amazing and what a blessing um what role do you feel do you feel that god has taken in your life through all of these things that you've learned about your body and um you talked about your blessing about having children do you feel like having that faith has helped you to deal with this trial in a different way than you thought was possible? Absolutely. And I told you I would, I haven't talked about the spiritual side yeah. with anybody. because <laughs> A lot of it is sacred to me and I don't want people to look at me and think, cause I'm not perfect. I'm so far from perfect. Nobody but is. <laughs> I do. My faith is very important to me. And, um, about the time I wanted my feet cut off, I, because it was that bad, my husband had given me a blessing and we had my family and a couple of my in-laws families that fasted. So they went without food and were prayerful for me to, for us to find answers in which way to go. And in that, that blessing that my husband gave me, it said that through my faith, I would be healed. And like the next week I contemplate, I'm like, what does that mean? Do I just have to believe and this is going to go away? I'm going to get all better if I just, if I just have enough faith. And 
reading scriptures and I went to church the next week and the lessons that were given came to the conclusion. I used to have a, a picture on my wall. We, I moved and it doesn't fit the decor, but it's, but faith without works is dead is a scripture. And it, it just kept going through my mind. It's like, well, part of having faith is doing the work. And then I had a quote by President Hinckley that says, when life gets too hard to stand, kneel. And then get up and get to work. So with those in mind, it's, I started researching. I actually found one of the things that helped my feet get better beyond running is I found a doctor that had a, he was back east. He was doing something pioneer. He was the only one in the country doing it. Called his office and they didn't, they wouldn't, I was willing to fly there. And they wouldn't take me as a patient because they were doing trials and they wanted you to be close. But it turned out that they had a doctor in Utah that was there training right then. And they gave me his name and number. And I called in the next, like when I knew he would be back. And the doctor answered the phone when I called his office. Wow. (laughs) And I was asking about it. And he's like, how did you even hear about this procedure? And I told him I'd been looking on the internet. I'd been reading medical studies. And he said, if you would have called any other time, my office would have turned you away. He says, I haven't even told the people that work for me that we're going to be doing this. They don't even know about it. So the fact Um, that I called and talked to him, it felt very inspired. mm -hmm. And things pieced together. And I don't think life just happens to us. Things happen for a reason, the good and the bad. They make us stronger. And we can't get caught up in the negativity because there's always something good that comes from it. If you can see it. I agree. I love, I love that outlook. You actually posted something recently on your Facebook um, page. Do you care if I quote you for a minute? Oh no, (laughs) go right ahead. It really resonated with me. So you said, I heard a quote this week that has stuck with me. It was in reference to poker, but it's more in life more important to life in general. You have to play the hand you are dealt. If you understand poker, there's more to this idea than just lay your cards on the table. You can have a really truly horrible set of cards in your hand that are worthless in any way in the game. One person would look at it and say, I lose. Another individual will see the same cards, smile and bluff their way into winning. The opposite is also true. An individual can have a winning hand, but based on their ability to read others and play their hand, they can still lose. Life gives us good hands and bad hands. How we play them is up to us, but you do have to play the hand that you're dealt. So think about that when you think about the good things and the trials that you're facing. You still get to choose how you react and what you do with what you're given. I love that. And I think that that is the essence of you. And that is why you are so inspiring to me. I think that the strength that you show as you're facing this trial for 23 years, I can't even, I've been sick for almost 11 years and I can't even imagine dealing with it twice as long um, and have the same attitude. Um, I think that what you mentioned was exactly how I feel that you really have to choose every day. If you're going to let this experience, this trial in your life, make you bitter, or you can choose to allow it to change you for the good. And does that mean that it's going to be easy? No, No, (laughs) I know you've got, 
Yeah. And you've got, you've got a lot of, of difficult things even now going on in your life with finding different medications and having allergic reactions. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Um, just to the point, like I said, I did all the, for years and years, all, everything alternative and found some things that worked, but it's not quite enough. I've got active inflammation. I need to have surgery on one of my hands, the hand surgeon, because there's so much inflammation there all the time saying, I can't do it until the inflammation's down or we're just wasting our time. So to do the surgery, I really need to get the disease under control. My CRP, which is an inflammation marker in my blood is really high, which puts you at a heart attack, like cardiac heart attack risk, things like that. It's affected my lungs. They partially collapsed during one race. There's a lung disease. Thankfully, I don't have it that's associated with rheumatoid arthritis. But those things scare me and I want to be around. So trying the medical route of drugs. And it's funny because one of the questions I really felt, I prayed about it. I prayed with my husband that I wasn't supposed to do the drugs 20 years ago. And I hadn't, I've never felt like I was supposed to up until the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And one, and then you always wonder, did I make the right choice? I have all this damage. Well, I've already burned through all the drugs that were available 20 years ago. My body doesn't like them. So, wow. well, I didn't make the wrong decision. It just <laughs> would have been more failure when I was younger and not prepared to handle it. For so, sure. It's happened the way it's supposed to, and I have well-meaning friends that don't think I've done it the right way. I'm like, well, I look at what I'm able to do that I shouldn't be able to do, and I continue to do, and I'm grateful. And I have help, and I'm just going to count on that. And But now I'm trying something different so far. I think if... And tell people walk in your slippers. Yes. <laughs> then they don't, they just, they just don't know. And I think that people mean well and want to help, but in the end it's you and your family and your relationship with Heavenly Father. And those are the things that as long as you, you stay close to the spirit and stay close to your family and um, you will know what's right for you. And it may not be the same thing that's right for somebody else, but that's, I think, what one of the best parts about um, having a relationship with God is that he can direct you in your life. I really appreciate you coming on and being my first guest. We were both very nervous, but I really (laughs) appreciate you um, doing this for me. Um, One of the things that I would like to end with is just kind of what would you say is a specific strategy that you've used in your life that helps you wake up and face this trial every day that maybe somebody listening to this podcast can, can use if they're facing something difficult? Mindset. We've talked about that a lot, but really, truly, you change your perspective, you change your world. When you're in a situation and it doesn't, it looks hopeless. Remember there is hope. Hang on to hope, hang on to faith. Those things are very key. And be creative. Get outside of your box in figuring out how to solve the problem. We've got so much information 
and access to information at our fingertips. But if we don't have the knowledge and we feel like we're trapped or we're lost, there's so many resources that you can go to. So change your perspective, change your world. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, if there's somebody that's been listening and they really resonate with your story, maybe they're thinking they might have rheumatoid arthritis, or maybe they're feeling just kind of weak and overwhelmed with the trial that's been going on in their lives. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Probably Facebook's the easiest okay. way. How can they find you there? It's Jody Brunson Pettit and it's Jody J O D I. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here and thank you all for listening and we will see you guys here next Wednesday. Bye. I want to give a special thanks to my son Carter for recording and writing our intro and outro music for this podcast. If you want to hear more of his music, you can find him on Instagram at Carter Guitar 456. 